Hey, thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, we got some great stuff going on. Um, again, next week, we're going to do the, you're invited to join us for our live. And again, if you're sick or you're not comfortable being here, that is absolutely no problem. Join us online. This is a very non-pressure uh, thing for uh, you to just to be a part of. Again, if you just want to come and show up, hang out uh, at 10 a.m. Again, we're going to do pretty much how we do now. And then on Mother's Day, which is in two weeks, we are going to do a drive-in service. That is already determined. Uh, we're going to do drive-in service. It's going to be great. And my wife actually is going to speak with me, probably do a majority of it because she's awesome like that. Um, she's an amazing mom, an amazing wife. And she also ordered, ladies, for you, uh, the Change Life Church coffee cup. But it's in, babe, is it teal? Is that right? It's a teal color. So every mom that shows up, uh, just like we handed out the toilet paper, you're going to get a coffee cup, and, and they're awesome. So let's get into this. We're in a, uh, again, if you haven't shared this, I would encourage you right now to share this message um, on your Facebook feed or wherever it is, because there are people that need to hear this. There are some messages uh, that I am just really convinced that are so pertinent. Um, you know, all of the Bible is good, but there's sometimes... We need specific things from the Bible, and, and today in our series called Determined, this is our fifth lesson, uh, we're in the book of John, chapter 20, 19 through 21, or 30, we may not get all the way to 31, but uh, it's called The Power of Unforgiveness, that is the official title of the message. Um, I've preached before on the power of forgiveness, because there is power of forgiveness, but there's more power, I think, in unforgiveness, because the power holds people captive, it holds people bitter. Uh, and so some questions that I want to start out with um, that I wrote down on my notes early this morning is, is how do I deal with people who hurt me? How do, I, how do I deal with people who hurt me? What I have found is, is we hold on to what we need to let go of. Uh, you, some of us have probably played the game Hot Potato maybe, and I brought my, my pack today. Because in our lives, we have what I call spiritual backpacks. And we all have one. We all carry it around. Um, most of the time, they're invisible. We see the results of it. But we carry things around. And sometimes, the things we carry around, we shouldn't. So the first thing I have in my pack here is a potato. Fitting for Idaho. Um, but, but we know about potatoes. We call it hot potato. And, and hot potato is a game because people see how long they can hold on to a hot potato. Uh, the longer you hold on to something that's hot, the more it'll burn you. Matter of fact, I was using some uh, hot glue this, this week, and I was holding the thing in place, and the hot glue dripped on my finger, and I started yelling, and Travis and Chris were like looking at me, and they were like, well, why don't you let go? And I said, if I let go, it'll ruin the thing that I'm holding that's supposed to be glued. Um, and so, stupidly, I let it continue to stay on my finger, and it actually blistered me. But I was so determined that I didn't want this thing to move that I allowed the pain to get me, which probably wasn't the best of ideas. Uh, but we hold on to a lot of things that we need to let go of, and it hurts us. Uh, many of you, if you come to our church, know the story um, of, of my horse when I was riding it with just a lead rope on. And uh, it's worth telling again, uh, because as the horse figured out there was no bit, it started running. Well, I didn't even cinch the saddle down because I was just moving it to the other side of the pasture. And it started running on me, and then it turned really fast, and it flipped me off. Um, that sounded bad. Uh, so I did get a good laugh. Uh, I flipped off the horse. No, I didn't do that either. I fell off the horse because I didn't flip the horse off either. Let's just get that clear. Uh, I fell off the horse, and I held on to the, the rope, and as it was running through the field, it was dragging me through the field uh, because I was determined to win. Well, after I got stopped, the horse looked at me like, you're an idiot, which I was, because I had road rash all on my back. 
Um, and I thought I had won, but I didn't win anything. I actually got hurt because there's times you need to know when to let go. If something's hurting you, you have to let your pride go and know when to let go of the thing. So the, the horse actually won that round. So we've been looking at a few events that happened during the 40-day period after Jesus' resurrection. Again, a lot of times we stop at the resurrection. We don't talk about what happened afterwards. And there's some things that Jesus wants us to understand. Uh, so first of all, for this message to make sense, we need to know... The point of the cross. Um, it's about forgiveness of our sins. And I wrote down here that sometimes we need to be reminded of the obvious. Because most people would be able to tell you, why did Jesus die on the cross? And they would say, to pay for our sins. And sometimes what's become so familiar, we just kind of forget about. I want us to look at it from the angle that the cross is also about giving us the ability to forgive others when they sin against us and the ability to move on from it. And that's what a lot of you today are dealing with is somebody have offended you. Somebody did something to you um, and it's, it's residual effects have just continued to, to haunt you, to, to just captivate your mind. Um, and I will tell you this, the weight of unforgiveness will wear you out. The weight of unforgiveness will wear you out. Again, everybody got a, has a spiritual backpack, but the more you are unforgiving, okay, the weightier this thing gets, the heavier it gets, and it will eventually wear you out. So often when people sin against you, they move on. They'll offend you, they'll do something, and they move on. The problem is, is that it often leaves a residue on us that we have to deal with. Similar to pe people being around wet paint. How do you recognize a painter? It's not necessarily the clothes, because if you see a, clo a painter that has completely clean white clothes and no paint on them, I would question whether they were a painter or not. I would question whether a person says they're a mechanic who never has grease under their fingernails. Okay? They can say that, but are they? Well, a painter, you can tell, that's been around paint, because usually paint is on the clothes. Or it's like having a toddler. They may not be present in the room anymore, but they sure leave a lot of evidence that they were there, evidence that you have to clean up. So often those that hurt you don't lay in bed at night thinking about how they hurt you, but you do. Rarely do people lose sleep or how they hurt you. Now, good people will. If somebody who had good intentions and hurt you and they feel bad about it, that means that's, they're a good person. But most of the people that hurt you don't lose sleep over how they hurt you, and yet you do. So the more baggage you hold on to, the heavier and harder life is. And that is not God's plan for your life. God does not want you to travel heavy. He wants you to travel light. So my goal today is to help you look at damage and assess whether or not, hear me on this, whether or not it's worth holding on to. Okay, is, is the potato, the hot potato that might be hurting you in a big way, is it really worth holding on to? just to prove a point or just to have, you know, your pride? Is it worth burning yourself to hold on to something that somebody put on you that you didn't want them to, that they may have forgot about, but it's still damaging you, it's still hurting you, it's still affecting you. Um, insurance adjusters, what do they do when there's a car accident or a house fire? They will come and they'll look at the damage and they'll assess the damage as to whether or not they deem it fixable or a total. Now with God, he never looks at you, no matter how destroyed you think you are, God never looks at you like a total. God will never say, no, nope, no chance on this one, get a new one. In God's eyes, you are always fixable. Now, some fixes take longer and cost a little more, but God will never look at you as if you're totaled. And this is where we're going to lead into what Jesus had to say to his disciples um, in just a moment. But I want to deal with this question first. Why do we have this tendency to hold on to things that hurt us? Why do we have this tendency to hold on to things that hurt us. 
Okay. A hot potato burn in your hand. And why do we have this tendency to hold it? Now, in, in real life, if it's hot, what do we do? We pull our hand away from it. Anything that hurts us, anything sharp, we have a tendency to stay away from. You have a bee fly into your, into your car or somewhere, you have a tendency to stay away from. If you see a snake, you tend to have a tendency to stay away from. But why is it with emotional things? Why is it with damage that people say to us, people do to us? Why do we have this tendency to actually hold on to something that's actually going to hurt us? So I believe that what Jesus is trying to teach us here is the very thing he was living out as he was on the cross. And it starts out, what he said out loud as he's hanging on the cross, one of the last things that he said was this. He said in Luke 23, 34, it says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. Jesus had just gotten crucified, and in his pack, he could have held the nails. Okay, this was something he didn't ask for. It wasn't something that he even wanted, but it was something that he had to do. It was something that somebody else did to him. And it wasn't the nails that held him to the cross. It was his love for us because he could have came down. But as they, after they nailed him, what did he say? Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And we're like, I can hear some of you saying right now, but what if they do know what they're doing? I can understand when somebody hurts me and they didn't really mean to, but what if they are intentional? What if they are holding the spike and they are holding the hammer? What if they do drive those nails into my hand or into my heart or into my mind? What do I do with those things? Well, Jesus is going to address that. You see, Jesus had this perspective that although they knew what they were doing, they really didn't know what they were doing as far as eternity goes. And Jesus had this mindset to forgive them before it even happened. So before we move into today's story, let's recap. Through the, co- through the cross, eternity is dealt with. We all understand that we get to go to heaven if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. If you haven't made that decision, the Bible says you will spend eternity in hell for the rest of, of eternity. That's a long time. That's forever. So today, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, it would be a great time to do it, to ask God to forgive you of your sins, to recognize that Jesus died on the cross for us. But we have to repent of our sins. We have to tell God we're sorry. And we have to accept what Jesus did and accept him as our Lord and Savior. That is the only way to heaven. But if you've made that decision already, we understand that eternity is dealt with. Okay? But what about the day-to-day stuff? What about the between now and then? What about between today and the time that we do go to heaven? We have to, 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 or we have to choose to look at the cross as a tool to navigate day-to-day life in the area of forgiveness. Now, Jesus died for the restoration of a relationship that we broke in the Garden of Eden. So it's only fitting that Jesus himself lives this out with his disciples who promised to stick with him but abandon him. Some of you may know what that feels like. Somebody made you a promise, but they abandoned the promise. They didn't keep the promise. Somebody on their wedding day may have promised you to, to be there, to hold you, to love you, to help you through it, and they may have abandoned you. Okay, many of you that are listening to this, you've had that happen and you know the pain. I don't particularly know that pain because I've never been through that. But you know a pain that I know nothing of, of the rejection of, of the promises made, but promises not kept. Well, Jesus knows that same feeling. He knows exactly what it's like to have people make promises to him that they didn't keep. So he, he, he understands what you're facing and he can help you through it. So if anyone had a good reason to hold something against someone, it's Jesus. I'm convinced that God has people in your life that test your faith, to try your patience, and to give you something to practice your Christianity on. I wish it wasn't like that, but it's true. All right, let's go to the book of John, chapter 20, verse 19, and I'm going to go ahead and stand up on this part. 
A funny thing with me is my height doesn't change a whole lot whether I'm standing or sitting on a stool. Yeah, it feels a little better though. All right. Again, we're being real here. That's what I love about online churches. We just real. Chapter 20, verse 19 through 23. Jesus appears to his disciples. Here's the setting. These guys are huddled in a room. Uh, this is Monday evening as I read it. Jesus came out of the tomb Monday morning. Monday evening, all his disciples are hiding in this room and they're locked in. They're afraid of the Jews. Um, they didn't even bother to, to, to go to see if Jesus came out. All right, so here's, that's the setting here. Uh, I wrote here that, that they're, they're huddled in a small area like chickens in a chicken coop during a thunderstorm. They're locked up. They're scared. And Jesus just appears to them out of nowhere. And this is what he says. He, he appears in this room, just walks through the wall. On the evening of that first day of the week when his disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and he stood among them and he said, peace be with you. Now, I hope that he just appeared and went, peace be with you. Like, scared the heck out of them. They were already scared because he just walked through the wall. But I don't think he said it that way. He just said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, which still had holes in them. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he teaches a lesson. He said, if you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So here are the, the, the disciples. They're locked up. They're scared. Jesus appears to them and just speaks peace to a group of men who just ran from him when things got hard, who just denied that they even knew him, who made promises that they did not keep. They did not even show up from his exit from the tomb. In fact, they didn't even go to his funeral. These were a group of men for three and a half years who followed him when the things were great, everything was good, they were there, they never abandoned. But when things got hard, they ditched. When things got hard, they broke their promises. When things got hard, they didn't even go to his funeral. Just think about that. They didn't even have the respect to go to his funeral. Another man, Joseph of Arimathea, took his body and buried it, and these guys were gonzos. They, were, they didn't even show up to his funeral. They didn't even show up to his resurrection. And what does Jesus say? He comes in and says, peace be with you. I'd be like, you're a bunch of jerks. You abandoned me. Yeah, you, yeah all those promises you made, Peter, you, you would die with me. Okay, if I was Jesus, that's why I'm not Jesus is because I would have an attitude. I would be like, guys, you made all these promises and you abandoned me in the time that I needed you the most. You even, Peter, you even denied that you knew me. After hours before, you said you would die with me, and now you're like, I don't even know the guy? Calling down curses on yourself? But Jesus doesn't do that. Aren't you glad that Stan's not Jesus? He comes in and he says, peace be with you. Why did he say that? Well, they were locked up in a room, and here's a lot of what you are today. You're locked up in a room, you're quarantined. Because they were afraid of what was outside. Isn't there a huge parallel here? They were locked up in a house because they were afraid of something outside of the house that could kill them. And a lot of people are like that in these days with the COVID virus. They're, they're locked in home because they're afraid they're going to get something that can kill them. And there's a good part of peer, fear, but there's also a bad part of fear. There's a part where you have to have faith and there's a part where you have to, to be smart. Okay? But there's some people that are so wrapped up of what might happen that they're going to live a couple months and, and not make much of a life. Now, again, I'm not saying just be crazy about it. 
But you don't have to live in fear when God is in control of something. Wash your hands. Don't be kissing people that aren't yours, okay? Be smart about it, but you don't have to live in fear. And here's why I say this. Peace and fear cannot live at the same house at the same time. It can't. You cannot have a house full of fear and a house full of peace at the same time. And what did Jesus say? He came into the house and he said, guys, let peace be with you. Let peace be with you. Because peace and fear can't live in the same house at the same time. Again, I would have had some choice words for these guys, but not Jesus. Why? Here's why. Because Jesus had already decided in his mind that he was going to forgive them beforehand. And when you do this, it takes a lot of the emotion out of it. Here's what marriage counseling really should be, is you are going to be offended. And you need to have a pre-purchased forgiveness card for when the offense comes, it's not going to hit you as hard. Why are we so shocked that our spouse ticks us off sometimes? Why are we so shocked that our pastor says something sometimes that hurt our feelings? Why are we so shocked that our kids do crazy things or that our parents do crazy things or that our boss does crazy things or that the driver does crazy things? Why are we so surprised when things don't go the way that we think? We need to have in our mind, I am going to be offended. How am I going to handle that offense? You see, Jesus had already decided, he already knew these guys are going to abandon me. It was already prophesied. So he chose to forgive before they actually even offended him. You see, here's my take on it. When I drive down Meridian Road, it seems like I get the crazy drivers that will cut me off. Again, I say this very consistently. If I will determine in my mind, I'm going to get cut off today. I'm going to go to town. I'm going to get cut off. Somebody's going to drive crazy. Somebody's going to move in without blinking. They're going to be nuts. When it happens, all I have to tell myself is, up, you were right. You were right. <laughs> and, and, and you actually feel good instead of getting mad. Matter of fact, you'd be looking for people to cut you off because you want to be right. We're, we're so much like, cut me off, cut me off. Oh, they, I, I'm right. Instead of getting mad about it, and my wife's going to have to remind me that I actually preached this today or my son because I get kind of annoyed with drivers that just cut people off. It's people that I have to practice my Christianity on. But he had already decided in his mind he was going to be forgiven beforehand. Wouldn't marriage be great if that's what we did for each other and, and as a spouse? Then we just pre-forgiveness card so that when it happens, it takes the emotion out of it. You see, emotion is usually what gets us into trouble. Emotion is usually what gets us into trouble. So he says on that evening, the first day of the week, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Teaches them this lesson on forgiveness. It appears that the most important thing Jesus wants them to understand is the importance of grace and forgiveness. Why? Because you cannot have peace without it. Okay? God made us this way. This is why non-Christians, or when you weren't serving God, you will say, there was a void inside of me. Something was missing. I tried to fill it with money, with sex, with power, with fame. It's been like this for centuries. Okay? New relationships. And the more I tried to fill it up, the emptier I became. You see, when you try to fill it up with things that don't belong there the emptier you become. And again, look at Hollywood. Hollywood will, will tell you that they have pretty much everything that people think they want, money, fame, power, and yet it's emptier than ever. So first off, Jesus sets the tone for how we need to live in peace and in forgiveness. And I want you to think about the Father forgive them statement. Somebody heard this. Somebody heard Jesus say this. They wrote it down. And as he was on the cross, nailed to it, in pain, bleeding, look beyond recognition, they said his face was. Some of the last words he spoke was, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. It's the last words he spoke, or some of the last words he spoke. Now, if you were on your deathbed, 
and you had some things to share with those closest to you, what would you share with them? You would share the things that matter the most, not trivial things, not, hey, when someone cuts you off in traffic, man, you just got to let it go. You, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't say that. You, you would give them something that they would hold on to, something that was super valuable to you. And that's what Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He was teaching them a lesson on forgiveness as he was going through his stuff. Some of you right now are going through your stuff. Some of you are going through the spike period or, or, the, or the potato period where somebody did something to you. Maybe you, don't, you have no control over it, but you do have control how you're going to react to it. And people around you see the spike. People around you know that you got hurt. They know there's a hole in your heart. They know that, that they, somebody's messed with your mind. And you are setting an example on how you're reacting to that. So when we can say, well, I just need to forgive him. I just need to let it go. It, do you, did you recognize here that Jesus still had the scars from the spikes and from the nails? Jesus showed, he, he said, the results, I still have residue from what somebody did to me, I have the hole in my side. He tells Thomas, put your hand in there, which I think is kind of gross and kind of cool at the same time. Um, that, that Jesus said that I have the nails. and okay, The scars are still there. This is what somebody did to me, but I'm choosing to let it go. See, who wants to live bound up in bitterness? I, I don't know many people that want to be, but I know a lot of people that are, but they don't know why. Angry people seldom consider it a personal problem. Okay, I wrote here, they're a container full of darts in need of a dartboard, and you're it. You ever felt that way? There's some people, they're just full of darts, they're full of arrows, and they need a dartboard. They need somebody to throw an arrow or a dart into, or I shouldn't say throw an arrow, but you could, which would be like an addle-addle, sort of. Sort of, not really, all right? Um, one thing I love about not having people here is they can't argue with me because I can say what I want. Either there are hunters, a few of them around here, though. Uh, so they're either shooting arrows or they're throwing darts at you. And some people are launched, you know, missiles. Other people just throw little darts, just the little things that they, they hurt. They're not big, but they hurt a little bit. It's sometimes easier to avoid a missile than it is avoid a dart because you can see a missile coming. But, but there are people that are just full of darts and they just throw these little things. I keep a tea bag in my Bible. It's in here to remind me that offense is like a tea bag. The longer it stays in, the darker it gets. And some of you today have to learn to take the tea bag of offense out of your mind, out of your life, so that it doesn't get darker and darker. And when someone offends me, I have a choice to make. It may sting for a while, it may be a lot bigger than that. But how long will I hold on to it? How long will I hold on to it? How long will I choose to hold on? to the nail that somebody put in me? How long will I choose to hold on to the potato that's hot, it's burning me, but it's an offense thing? It's ruining me, but they offended me. We look at, at the offense and, and our pride sometimes won't let it go. Some offenses may be dealing with some today that are big enough that you have to fight every day of your life. See, I can't change what happened, but I can determine how I'm going to react to it. The offense was an event. The problem we deal with is the residue that can ruin the rest of our lives if we allow it to. This is why forgiveness is a fact and not a feeling. Forgiveness is a fact and not a feeling. And most of the time you need to forgive others to set yourself free, which is again is another thing that's in my backpack. And this is a heavy thing. This is a, a chain. Okay, and a lot of people have chains in their life. And the more chains you have, the heavier the pack becomes. Now, it would be foolish to leave this chain in my backpack when I go hunting. Why? Because it would be unnecessary weight. It would be something that would just wear me out. 
It'd be something that is, is maybe somebody else put the chains on. Maybe it's my own sin. But the more chains I have, the heavier it becomes. And, and another thing people do is they have maybe the lock and chain. They have, I use a small one because it's lighter. And if I could have a volunteer up here, I would. My wife's here, but she doesn't want to be chained up today, I don't think. Baby, you want to be chained up? Yeah. Oh, she wants to be chained up. All right. Come on, sweetheart. I've been wanting to do this for a long time. All right. So there you go. Here's my gorgeous assistant. All right. I'm going to chain you up nice and good, okay? And here's what happened. Here, face the camera because you're beautiful. They need to see you. All right. Here's, here's what people do. They put a chain on you. I want to get you good here, and then I'm going to kiss you. Okay. Does it sound romantic? I don't know. I don't know. All right. So here's what happens. People will do something to you. This isn't an offense, okay? They, they lock you up, and they lock you up, but they don't take the key. Turn around for a second. You got pockets? I'm the only one that could do this. It's not quite in there yet. Stop. Okay. This is live. I know. That's why I did it. You know, this is people working. are. I can get out of this. No, you can't. This is an example. Listen, we're going to need marriage counseling after the lesson, okay? So there you go. All right. So here's the deal. I can offend her, which I don't ever. I did like once when we first got married. Um, and uh, I forgive myself really quickly. So I just chained her up. I did something to her. I hurt her. I, I put some chains on her. And then I'm going to walk away. Okay, what did I leave in her back pocket? Well, the key, okay? Here's the deal. A lot of people that get bound up in chains and locks think that I still have the key. But we don't. You, you, you only have the key if you let them have the key. They only have the key. I don't have the key. I left the key with her. So she has the access to get out. But she's still blaming me for it. And as long as she continues to blame me, then she thinks I have the key when the key is in her pocket all the time. Let me get that key. thought I was supposed to get it. No. I wanted to get it. It'd be no fun if you could get it, if I can get it. It's in your pants. All right. See, look, we're causing a little bit. Yeah, that's, that's, that's it. We'll do marriage something later on. All right? So, don't forget we're live. Good. We're getting some giggles out there. This is good. Now, my kids are here, and they see me and Chris do this kind of stuff all the time. All right. So, what's that? What I hear? It's disgusting. Good. You should get used to That's it. That's good. That's good. Uh, right? So, so the key is something that she's had the whole time. And here's the key. The key is, is forgiveness. The key is forgiveness. Thanks, babes. I know you could get out of that. All right. Thank you. Everybody give her a hand or a high five. All right. Well, nice soft golf clap there. Um, all right. So here's, here's the two things Jesus wanted, wants to teach us today. Um, it's my job to let some of you know that you possess the key that you may not even know you have. Okay? You think the other person has the key because they're the one that offended you, but really the key always lies with you. And I want to teach us two things here uh, that Jesus is teaching us. Number one, he modeled this. If you want to walk in freedom, you must walk in forgiveness. You have to. You have to learn how to forgive. People will hurt you. People will say things. They'll do things. They'll treat you. They'll break promises to you. The first words that Jesus speaks to these guys were words of peace and not condemnation. They ran from him. They denied him. They abandoned him. They lied to him. They lied. They said, we'll stick with you. And they did it. And what does he do? 
He offers grace. He offers a second chance. So regarding being hurt by people, you can either walk in freedom of it or bondage to it. Let me say that again. Regarding being hurt by people, you can either walk in freedom of it or bondage to it. It's completely your choice. The second thing Jesus wants us to understand is number, number two, you, okay, emphasis on you, are forgiven. You, you are forgiven. Okay, not just other people, but you specifically. Romans 8, 1 says this, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus is that key to get us unlocked. John eight thirty six says this, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. In conclusion, if we want to travel light and free from bondage, we have to offer forgiveness. We need to live in forgiveness. In other words, we have to give it and we have to receive it. So I hope this lesson has helped you out today. Many people are held captive by other people's decisions. Again, I'm not making light of your situation, but I want to leave you with some thoughts. What are you going to do? Are you going to let it destroy you? Are you going to let somebody else's decisions, maybe somebody else's nails, hold you captive? What are you going to do? Let it destroy you? Are you going to let it ruin your future? Are you going to let it ruin your day? This very morning, somebody, maybe in your family, and if you've been quarantined with children, one of the ways I'm so blessed is we live on some property, and we don't have little toddlers we have to keep track of. We get to see our granddaughter, and she's a joy and a lot of fun. But some of you are are kind of cooped up, and you don't have a whole lot of places to go. Uh, and, And there's going to be a fence. There's going to be craziness. But what are, what are you going to let it do to you? Destroy you? Ruin your future? Ruin your day? Ruin your lunch? Keep you in bitterness? See, that's no way to live. My challenge to you today is take responsibility for your own emotions. Jesus will help you while you're here on this earth, but you have to choose it. And there are those today, this is new this morning, this is, there are those today that are not likely to apologize for what they did to you. So don't wait for an apology that's never coming. Don't wait around for them to say they're sorry. Don't wait around for them to say, hey, will you please forgive me? Because that's probably not going to happen. The the, the thing is, are you going to let what they did to you hold you captive? Or are you going to say, okay, God, I'm just going to have to forgive them. Let me ask you a question. Did people that crucified Jesus on the cross, after they crucified him, did they say they were sorry? As he was hung there on the cross, did they look up and go, man, we shouldn't have did that. Did they ever apologize? No, they did not. But what did he do? He chose to forgive them without an apology. He chose to forgive his disciples without them coming and saying, Jesus, we're really sorry we left you. We're sorry we abandoned you. We're sorry we took off. We're sorry we ditched you. We were just emotional. Things got crazy. They never apologized. And what did Jesus do? He walks in. He says, peace be with you. Then he says, if you forgive people, they're forgiven. What was he saying? I am modeling grace right now. For those of you guys here who four days ago abandoned me, who this morning you weren't even waiting at the tomb because I told you how many times, guys, how, how many times did I tell you, Peter? How many times? I don't know, Lord, a lot. James, how many times did I tell you? I don't know, you told us all the time. I was going to die and three days later. I'll come back. And not one of you showed up at my grave this morning. When I came out of the grave, there was nobody there but a bunch of guards. There was nobody there but people that had to be. Where were you guys at? I told you I was coming back. You never showed up. Matter of fact, you didn't even show up at my funeral. What's the deal, man? Jesus never did that. Jesus simply said, okay, it was pre-forgiveness. How it happened, happened. I'm not going to let it hold me down. 
And I'm going to offer peace to you today. If you forgive people, they're forgiven. If you don't forgive them, they're not forgiven. It doesn't mean God doesn't forgive them. It means that in your heart, you just hold this bitterness toward them. So what holds you today? What holds you captive? Bitterness, anger. And you might think I'm angry all the time. Well, why is that? Well, it's because there's some bitterness there. You're angry towards something or somebody. Again, the key is in your pocket. What are you going to do with it? So Jesus, I just pray for those within the sound of my voice today that are locked up in some stuff. Lord, and you know, I had this, some stuff this week, some things that people did that just mold around in my mind way longer than it needed to. And, I, and there's times that we just got to deal with it and move on, deal with those things and, and say, God, I forgive them. I'm not going to get an apology, but for my sake, I want to walk in freedom. I want to walk in grace. So I'm going to choose to forgive. Even if they don't say they're sorry, I'm going to choose to forgive them so that it doesn't hold me captive. If those in the sound of my voice today again have accepted you today, or maybe they're not, Lord, I pray that they would pray the prayer to say, God, please forgive me my sins. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. And I ask you, forgive me my sins and come into my life. Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. And in that moment, you'll set us free from our sins. Lord, we thank you so much for that. We give you praise and glory. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Man, Pastor John is going to just lead us in a, a short song.